When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us for another week of Women to Watch here on 1210 WPHT. Uh, with me in the studio this evening is a very special uh, guest, a local lady. Her name is Kimberly Koshneg. And Kimberly is the CEO, founder, and co-owner of Advanced Lymphedema Therapy Services just outside of Philadelphia. And she'll be with me in just a moment. Be sure to stay with us during the breaks to hear from our watch team of on-air contributors bringing you their insights and inspiration around your health education, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. And our audience is continuing to grow. Um, We love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to me or any one of our contributors at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net with your feedback or referrals of any amazing women that you might know. And now I'm very excited to welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you, Sue. I'm very excited to be here. It's great to have you. And Thank you had a nice day to, to travel in to yes, the city, I did. Yes, right? Yes, I did. So, you know, before we get started, I'm, I'm thinking for the listeners, a nice definition of what lymphedema is might be a good idea before okay. we start to talk about your, your life story. Absolutely. So lymphedema is a type of swelling. Um, it's different than edema because everybody kind of always thinks of swelling as I sprained my ankle, my ankle sw- you know, swelled up. That's edema. The difference with lymphedema is that it's a protein-rich fluid. So the typical treatments, Advil, ice, elevation, will not work with lymphedema. Lymphedema can be a side effect from breast cancer treatment, um, really any type of cancer treatment, lymph node dissection, radiation. Some people are born with the gene. Um, other people acquired it from uh, venous insufficiency, where their heart might not be working as well, their veins and their arteries start to break down. So there's several, several reasons why people get it. It's unfortunately not talked about. 
um, right. in the United States. Um, there's a total of 10 million people right now living just in the United States. And when you think about that number, it's actually more than Parkinson's, ALS, um, AIDS, and MS all put together. Wow. Wow. It's interesting because I had not heard of it until yes. until we met. Um, I, I want to kind of go back and, and okay. you know, hear how you ended up going into this field. You're one of very few experts in the field, um, and you have one of the first, you opened one of the first um, outpatient clinics. So um, you grew up outside of Philadelphia, and you attended an all-girls academy. I did. Uh, Mount St. Joe. It yes. happens to be where my daughter went to school. Great, great place. Absolutely. Um, I want to start with a quote. Um, you said, I always was working harder and practicing more than everyone around me. I want to know why. I think when I grew up, I had an older brother, and we were very competitive. Um, I was more of a natural-born athlete than student, and when I got to the Mount, I had to become a student athlete. And so all the years of playing and being the only girl on the playgrounds and in the gyms, I kind of developed this attitude where no one's going to be better than me. I'm going to have to fight harder and I'm going to have to work harder. Not only because I think I had my older brother, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if somebody was doing something, I just naturally wanted to do it better. Was that, would you say you just kind of were born with the competitive gene? I or, believe so. Yeah. Yes. So nothing, there was no experience in your in your childhood where, you know, it just kind of made you more. Early on, I saw my brother get a lot of awards. And back then, you know, as far as for athletics, um, girls weren't recognized like boys were. It was right. before Title IX and, and the equality for, for women with athletics. And I always used to say to myself, well, if there's all these extra all-star games and programs for boys, why aren't there for girls? That wasn't going to change. So my only choice was to be better than the boys and get in there and mix it up. And um, I, you know, thank God I had the courage and the support from my family to do that. Yeah. How about your brother? Was he supportive or was he, you know? I tell you what, my um, freshman year at Drexel when I blew out my, my knee, um, it was probably the most devastating time at, at that point when I'm 18 years old, when I, you know, I had 21 Division One offers to go to school for basketball. And I could have gone to a lot of places to play. And here I am, you know, I picked a university to play, not for the major, which is what you're not supposed to do, you know, but I did it. Um, and when that was taken away from me from an injury, I mean, my world just fell apart. And mm -hmm. he was a senior at the time at Muhlenberg. And every game he wrote my basketball number on his arm, just in honor of, you know, oh, to think of me. What was your number? Uh, it was 52. Okay. 52. Yeah. So he kind of, I would go to his games and, and um, when I was on the road to recovery, he helped me get better again. So he's been very supportive. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you did, you received a full basketball scholarship to Drexel I did. University. And as you just mentioned, you, you um, tore your ACL. Um, in my notes, I read about a, a special relationship you had with your own physical therapist. I did. Her name was uh, Kathy Helmsley. And, you know, at that time, you're just kind of lost because my team was traveling. I wasn't allowed to travel with them. I had to stay home for rehab. I was not an easy person to live with um, <laughs> because, you know, my focus was sports. You know, at, at 18, I mean, some people really know what they want to do for a living. I changed my major about five times at Drexel because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to play basketball. And um, I would sit there doing rehab, watching her work with these patients who came in in pain and agony barely able to walk. And 
she got them, you know, back to living. She restored their life, and she would have this connection with them. And um, she and I clicked, and everybody's therapy session was an hour. Mine was three and a half. Wow. Um, because the doctor said I would never play again after that injury. And she said, no, you're going to play again, oh, and we're, we're going to do it. So um, it, it was, a, you know, a true success. My The team wanted me to go to a certain physical therapist, and my dad found this woman, and he actually hired somebody from his high school at the time where he was teaching to pick me up at Drexel and drive me to therapy every night from Philadelphia to Fort Washington for this therapy session. Um, and it was the best decision that, you know, we all made. So was that a turning point for you and, and leading into your interest in, in Absolutely. Therapy? So I ended up, um, you know, staying at Drexel, but unfortunately they didn't even have a therapy program. So I became a double major in biology and psychology. And, oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. And um, you had to volunteer in order to get into therapy school. So I was lucky to be in Philadelphia. I went to all the different hospitals to volunteer in pediatrics, geriatrics, oncology. Um, and after two years at Drexel and I was playing again and, and doing well, I decided, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is really my calling. And um, I had two years left of eligibility. So I transferred to the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia. Okay. And um, they helped pay for some of my schooling. And I was able to go to gra graduate school at the same time for therapy. Okay. So you know, you've had a lot of firsts in mm -hmm. your career um, as a high scorer in basketball, mm -hmm. uh, the first occupational therapist to receive a young alumni award. Tell me what USPs. That's uh, University of the Sciences in Philadelphia. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you developed the first ever outpatient hospital-based clinic for, for lymphedema. I did. Um, tell me, can you tell me how all these firsts compare? It's very exciting. I think the one thing that they all have in common is, you know, I have I was nervous and I was always scared to take the leap, but very early on somebody said to me, if you don't try, you're never gonna know if you fail or not. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to my competitive edge, I always wanted to be the first. I wanted to be the first to establish things that people didn't hear of, to educate people. Um, I'm always of the mentality, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it better. <laughs> so, That's a good mentality. There you go. What I want to know when we come back is how do you treat yourself if you're not the first <laughs> or if you have a bad day? Stay with us. I'm talking to Kimberly Koshenig, the founder, CEO, and co-owner of Advanced Lymphedema Therapy Services. And stay with us for Dawn Zier of Nutrisystem and Holly Dowling for our Leadership Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, CEO Watch. Hi, I'm Dawn Zier, here with today's CEO Watch. Today we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes new hires make, playing wait and see. Starting a new job with a new company and learning the ins and outs of any environment can be tricky. Often, new employees, regardless of level, take a wait and see approach to a new role, and that to me is the single biggest mistake any new hire can make. People with new bosses often fall into the same trap. They forget that they are essentially re-interviewing for their role and that a wait-and-see attitude is likely not going to cut it. Whether you're a junior staffer or a senior executive, it's crucial to take the extra time to learn about the company as a whole, not just the area you work in. This will give you invaluable context and range. 
As part of the onboarding process, whether it's formally structured or not, make a point of meeting with people across all departments. They often end up being go-to people down the road. And for senior executives especially, meet with all levels across the company to find out what's really going on. Whatever your level, time is not on your side, and no amount of research is an effective substitute for hitting the ground running. Until you jump in with both feet, you're unlikely to impress or excel in the job you've been hired for. Be insatiably curious, full of constructive questions, and willing to challenge the status quo. If you're not getting direction, ask for it. If you don't have goals and clear deliverables, define them and ensure alignment. And if you're not busy and constantly learning, figure out what areas you can help make a difference in. Don't be afraid to raise your hand for those challenging assignments. I've seen many promising hires fail, and many who didn't seem so promising on paper succeed. And the common thread is that the highest performers all demonstrated a desire to learn, had an inherent sense of urgency, and were committed to the company right out of the gate. Remember, don't wait. The payoff? You'll see. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier, here for CEO Watch. I'll be back next Sunday. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch. And today I'm kicking it off by opening up my favorite book of inspiration, which is a collection called Hollyism. Love for you to reach out. I'm giving something very special to the listeners of Women to Watch. So please reach out to my website. I want to start with life is not about work. Rather, your work should bring you life and brighten your life. So are you shining? Is your work and your everyday platform of how you're leading, how you're bringing your work, your career, your everyday energy. Is it bringing you life or is it draining you? And only you know the answer to this question. It is something I've been passionate about for close to two decades. And I spent a lot of time around the world helping people rekindle their passion, their strengths, what makes them shine. And you know, I am going to call you out as a leader of others. It starts with you. You see, there's an empathy and a ripple effect when you are leading others, whether a small team, the people in your personal life, we're all leaders every day. It's how we influence. And are you leading through a lens of shining your light or can people feel you drained, depressed, and completely overwhelmed? Trust me when I say people can feel it. It's a ripple effect and it affects everyone like a pebble in a pond. So today, Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I'd love you to take just a few minutes of silence, and I'd love for you to spend a few minutes thinking about what it is you truly love to do in this world, and how can you rekindle for one day at a time the spirit of bringing your passion to this world and let your light shine and watch the magic begin. People around you, your clients, people on the phone, people everywhere will begin to feel and experience your light shining. 
please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you at hollydowling.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for being with us this evening. I'm having a great conversation with Kimberly Koshineg, uh, the founder, CEO, and co-owner of Advanced Lymphedema Therapy Services. And uh, just before the break, we were talking a lot about your, I'll say perfectionism, but more more so your um, competitive nature and um, really it seems to be what drives you and, you know, has led to the success you've had. So I guess the obvious question is, how do you treat yourself when, you know, things don't go the way that you'd like? You know, it's I've had a lot of accolades and accomplishments in my life, but there are some times when things have not gone as well or as, as, as planned. And one thing I've always learned from my patients is that, you know, I really should come first. And I think as women, we don't always do that. And, um, you know, there's no definitive link about circumstances happening and people developing cancer, but they do say that stress can bring it on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I sit with some of my patients, they say, well, I remember, you know, when this, this, and this happened, I got sick about three weeks later, and that's when I found out I had cancer the year to follow. So they always try to tell me to put myself first. Mm -hmm. And um, I do try to do that. It's hard being a mom and, and, you know, an entrepreneur at the same time. But I, I do believe in rewarding yourself. So I, I often, you know, I'll sneak off to the salon for a massage or manicure or pedicure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really find the best time is just with my kids. Because, you know, in their eyes, if I fail at anything I'm going to try to do or start a new venture, they don't know that. They just see me as mom. Right. You and know? you want to be a good example for them, Absolutely. right? To, you know, that, that life isn't always going to go our way. It's not. And I tell them all the time, you don't know until you try. So if you try and you fail, you learn from it, and then you move on. Um, tell me, so you mentioned being a mom, and you yeah. are, and you have two children. I do. Right? So you're running your own business, and you have a family. And um, your son actually suffers from a, a condition himself. He does. Um, he does. Yeah, compromised immune system. W- what is that? It is actually, it's called IgA and IgG deficiency syndrome. So he is born basically without half of his immune system. So for years, about five years, it was undiagnosed with us. We went to some of the top you know, 60 plus physicians in Philadelphia, nobody diagnosed him. Um, Since he was born, he would be totally fine and we would go to bed and he could wake up with 103, 104 fever out of the blue. Um, At the time, my husband and I were living in Doylestown and we could get to, you know, CHOP or any of the, you know, um, hospitals in Philadelphia in record time because he would get so sick. Um, I couldn't understand why I would take him to a museum or a playground and he would be sick for the next three weeks after that. Mm. So um, we now actually go to Boston Children's Hospital one time a year and we have a doctor that had basically saved his life from St. Christopher's um, and we follow her throughout the country and he sees her, you know, every couple of months as well. So the problem with with what he has is that you just never know what's going to happen. We could have great days. And, you know, for instance, on Christmas, Christmas was great. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, he woke up unable to breathe um, in respiratory failure. And we had to pretty much gun it to get down to Philadelphia um, to St. Christopher. Yeah. And we didn't even know there was anything wrong with him when he went to bed because he was fine. So it's been years that it was that bad Mm because we've had it pretty controlled. Um, but, you know, thank God for my career, I have the flexibility to, to be with him and, and always be there. How do you manage the worry of that? 
it, it is tough. Um, in the beginning, it was worse when we didn't know what it was because we couldn't travel. We were afraid to leave Philadelphia. You know, I was fortunate to have my parents and our family around us um, to come over in the middle of the night and stay with our daughter, who's three years younger, if we had to, you know, run and go out. Um, and it was a terrible way to live, to be honest with you, because we really didn't know what was wrong with them. Once we had the diagnosis, um, you know, people say, don't go on to the support groups and don't read about things because sometimes it does make it worse. And I did that one night and I said to myself, that was the worst thing that I could have done. Right. <laughs> Why did I do that? Um, but, you know, I've learned now that we tackle things early. It's all about prevention and preventative mm -hmm. measures, and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, it's he's not going to grow out of it. It's going to be something he's going to carry with him. So I think the greatest lesson is to teach him as he's only 10. Um, so Stone, we've, we've taught him to t try to take care of himself because as he gets older, it's going to be on him. Yeah. And Do you know, are there studies being done about this condition? Do you have, you know, hope that there would be some? There are. There are actually, there's only three physicians in the country that specialize in what he has. Um, and the one particular gentleman up in Boston has a entire lab the size of a city block at Harvard dedicated to this. Okay. And so there's more and more being done. Right. Um, but, you know, again, sometimes, you know, the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. So we just keep our fingers crossed and keep them healthy. Yeah, good. Um, let's talk about the clinic and yes. what happens there. Okay. Um, I am so lucky, you know, um, I started out originally at a hospital-based program after I was certified and had the privilege to live in Germany where they discovered lymphedema. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Germany, unfortunately, my opinion, they do it better um, because the healthcare system's different. So when I came back to the United States, I, I really wanted to model that and I was concerned, but at the time I had just gotten married. Um, my husband actually um, was my patient's son, if you can believe that. Yeah. Um, I had treated her, and she was telling me how great her son was, and we met on a blind date, and he's now my, my business partner. Okay. So while I was in Germany. He said, take the leap and try this business, Oh. and we did it. We have to take a break. When okay. we come back, I'm going to hear more of that story. Okay. I'm picturing the mom. I have the best boy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you never believe that. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> Stay with us as we go into break to hear from Dr. Marianne Ritchie and Maggie and Terry for our Finance Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Edema. It's an abnormal collection of fluid in your body tissues and you know it as swelling. It can involve any area of the body. Most likely you'll notice it in feet or ankles, legs, or even hands. Mild edema can result from tight shoes, sunburn, sitting in a position for too long, premenstrual time, or being pregnant. Medicines that cause swelling, steroids, estrogens, high blood pressure meds, even anti-inflammatories like Motrin or Advil. However, sometimes swelling is a sign of a more serious disease like CHF, congestive heart failure, a weakened heart cannot pump blood effectively. Fluid backs up, pulls in legs, sometimes abdomen, and often the lungs, causing shortness of breath. Liver disease like cirrhosis, fluid builds in abdomen and legs. Kidney disease, you retain salt and fluid, swelling in the legs and even around your eyes. Edema can follow cancer or cancer surgery when lymph nodes are diseased or removed. In the past with radical mastectomy, edema showed in the arm on the surgery side. A common cause is venous insufficiency. Weak or damaged veins allow blood to pull in legs and swelling, often seen with obesity. 
Very worrisome is edema in only one leg. This can be a clot or deep vein phlebitis. Get immediate attention. Phlebitis can sometimes send a clot to your lungs. So be aware after a long plane flight, if you develop calf pain or swelling that won't go away, call your doctor stat. It could be a clot. Look for puffiness, stretched or shiny skin. Skin the dimples when you press with your finger. Increase abdominal size. Any of these signs. See your doctor immediately, especially if you have chest pain or difficulty breathing. This could be life-threatening pulmonary edema or fluid in your lungs. This is your diva doctor reminding you not too much salt during the holiday because you don't want to hear anyone say, you're looking swell, Dolly. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and this is Maggie, and we're from Fortis Wealth. April is Financial Literacy Month, a good reminder for all of us to get our financial houses in order. Last week, we talked about getting organized. Today, we have a few more tips to share. We often hear that goal setting is an important step. Why is that? Well, think of it like planning a trip. One of my mentors is fond of saying, if you don't know where you're going, you won't know when you get there. And I'm guessing there's no GPS for that. So how do we start drawing our map? Define where you want to go. What do you want your life to look like in a year, three years, five years, and beyond? Consider the SMART approach to financial goals, which stands for specific, measurable, achievable, rewarding, and trackable. Then decide which are short-term goals to be accomplished within one to two years, midterm goals for two to five years, and long-term goals, which take more than five years to accomplish and probably require regular savings. Traveling often involves roadblocks and detours. What about those? Well, one thing that can impede your progress is debt, particularly high interest credit cards and loans. Make it a priority to pay down that as quickly as possible to help you get back to cruising speed. And before you make any credit decision, it is important to weigh your options and understand the cost. When you sign or co-sign an application for credit, you are agreeing to all its terms. Commit to understanding everything to which you are agreeing. Does that balance transfer offer look so enticing after you read the fine print about the transfer fee and the interest rate hike after the first few months? We should also plan for the unexpected. Bankruptcy filers often cite an unforeseen event as the cause of their financial demise. In addition to long-term savings, financial experts agree that consumers should aim to have three to six months of living expenses saved for emergencies. So, listeners, draw your map, prioritize, plan for changing traffic conditions, and reach your financial destination safely and on time. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Kimberly Koshineg, and she is one of very few experts in lymphedema therapy. Yes, okay, got that right. <laughs> um, and before the break, we were actually talking about um, meeting your husband, who happens to be your business partner. And I, yes. I love that story of his mother yes. being your patient Absolutely. and recognizing that maybe he would be good for you. Yes. You know, when this treatment, um, people don't know about it. It's very up close and personal. So it's not like sometimes you come in and you just exercise. Other times you're laying on a treatment table, you know, practically um, naked, right. <laughs> you know, dressed in a sheet, um, showing exposed areas that are new, you know, post-mastectomy and lumpectomy. And, mm-hmm. and as women, you know, we kind of identify with those with those areas um, as women. And when something happens surgically to it, you do kind of get um, depressed. Um, you're embarrassed. There's a lot of body images, um, body image issues. And um, so we talk a lot during treatment. So, you know, there's a, a term called therapeutic use of self. And, um, you know, I share things about myself with the patients and they share a lot with me. And mm-hmm. his mom was always telling me about how great her son was and how we'd be a great pair. And, um, you know, it, it really did work out well. Yeah. Um, you actually lost your, your own mom. I did. Um, suddenly. Was that before you met uh, this patient no, or after? No, um, Nancy and I met back in 2003. She mm-hmm. was one of my first patients, believe it or not. Um, and I've been married for almost, it'll be 14 years in October. Okay. So my mom passed suddenly four years ago. Yeah. So. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank that, you. That must have been hard. Um, just another thing that you, you've gone through that's challenging. You know, right? in, a, in a period of about two years, I lost my mom suddenly. Um, and the, the problem with that was when I came home from the hospital, my son said, you know, um, when we go to hospitals, we always come out. What happened? Oh. And that was a thing I didn't think about, you know. Um, so it was dealing with the kids. My father had um, a massive uh, surgery out of nowhere, 15-hour surgery. Um, and we almost lost him. And then I started to develop these terrible migraines and headaches myself. And, you know, I saw the best in, in my position. I have wonderful contacts and I saw the best of the best. And they said a lot of it is related to stress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, everybody else mattered except for myself. And I was taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that taught me a terrible lesson, you know, um, unfortunately, because I think my mom used to tell me I work too hard. I don't do enough things for myself. And about the week before she passed, she said, once a month, I want you and Todd to go away, and I want to take the children and go do something for yourselves because you guys work a lot, and um, you need to see each other more, and you need to do more stuff for yourself. Yeah. And um, when she died, I said, okay, I got it. I got the message now. It, you know, I was getting little messages, and then I just kind of got um, really bumped in the head with it. So you're so. better today. Are you better today? I am. Okay. I am. I have. Um, I, I'm very lucky. I have a great supporting cast with my family. Yeah. So I think it's hard sometimes when you're when your work is exciting and and you know you're loving what you're doing and what yeah. you're doing is very important and um, and you enjoy it. And as a matter of fact, you're uh, building a new website right now, which we is are. always a big project. We are. Yeah. We are. And um, to be honest with you, we haven't done it in the past. Um, we had something small and. When I put that up in one week, we had 42 new people call us for 
for treatment, and I wasn't ready for it. Okay. Um, and so now I have a new plan of action. And um, because what's happening is we don't just treat lymphedema. We treat patients. Uh, I specialize in breast cancer recovery. Mm-hmm. So people don't realize that when they get breast cancer and go into a re- regular physical therapist, they can actually develop lymphedema from that. And in Germany, wow. you know, they treat for prevention. We don't do that in the United States. It's a covered service by insurance. Mm-hmm. And doctors treat after the fact. Well, after the fact is sometimes too late. Yes. And it can be life-changing for a lot of these women. Um, So I've kind of geared the practice more towards that so we can help more people in a shorter amount of time. Are you putting yourself out there publicly and speaking about this so that you can inform more? I I am. You know, our clinic, we had several therapists working for us um, up until uh, about six years ago when my son got very, very sick. And um, it was it was not a good time in our lives. Um, I was running to a million different places. And I remember I came in after not being at the clinic for about two weeks and um, I said to my secretary, who is that right there? And she said, you just evaluated her last week. And I could tell you anything about my patients, and they would vouch for that. I know their, their children. I remember spe- you know, special dates in their lives. And it hit me. I said, i got to slow down. So we backed off, cut down the caseload. Um, we kind of, you know, I, I decided I wanted to do more of a one-man show just to regroup and kind of get back in contact with my patients and refocus. And in that time, I decide, you know what, there's other avenues I want to pursue as far as with teaching and traveling, and I've been fortunate to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and But a big part of it is my children. So they come with me to the conferences, and um, we travel as a family, and it's nice that my husband's my business partner, so right. it, it kind of works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that is a big, a big factor. Tell me, what, what's your um, leadership style with your staff and, and the, your team? So, it, you know, we've always said, my husband and I both have said family first. Because if things, I believe, if things aren't good at home, you're not going to be able to carry that over into the workforce, especially with what we do. And I always tell everyone in our office, no matter what kind of day you've had, our patients that work through the door have probably had worse right now because they've got a devastating, you know, um, diagnosis. And we need to be there for them. Yeah. We're going to take one last break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about kind of your future plans for the business. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch and Hanadi for our Diversity Watch. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. I remember when I was at home with my three kids, all under the age of five, calling my name at the same time repetitively for every little thing they wanted. It used to overwhelm me. Now that they're grown kids, I kind of miss being their point of reference. So when they do come to me for advice, I cherish their return and give them all my attention. It's only now that I can better contemplate on this verse in chapter 2 in the Quran, quote, Call upon God as you call upon your fathers or even with greater devotion, end quote. Muslims believe that everything they need is to be asked from God first, and it doesn't matter how big or small the ask is. So even when we're asking people with our tongue, the heart is fully directed towards God, for among his names is the responder to prayers, and he's nearer to us than our jugular vein, as the verse in chapter 50 describes. In fact, the teachings go further in explaining that the purpose of constantly needing something is to specifically return back to God with a request, 
It's meant to keep close connection and maintain a point of reference. This is not just in something we need, but also in confiding, venting, or asking for advice. The words of the Quran are considered live knowledge that Muslims tap into for guidance in their daily life. So it almost feels like hearing the answer. Just imagine the efforts we'd put in to connect and stay connected with a VIP person that can provide us with anything we want at any given moment. Muslims effectively perceive that person as God and strive to connect, complain, and ask him for everything. This creates a sense of independence, sovereignty from needing other people, and integrity of living. When the purpose of needing is asking God, Muslims ask and ask a lot. That's the ethic of confiding in God alone. Now, ask me anything by connecting with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. With so much future opportunity in the technology industry, getting girls interested at an early age without forcing it on them is key. To foster a love for something, you need to make it a part of everyday life. And to do this, you need to spark a young girl's interest in STEM activities. It's critical to let them play with objects and ideas to help them see that there's more than one way to get to a solution. By playing games and puzzles, it increases their ability to recognize and understand patterns and associations of things. Using their imagination leads to original thinking and ability to generate multiple solutions to problems. With summer coming, there's lots of activities you can introduce to all ages of girls. Everything from building sandcastles to building robots. Yellow Scope has STEM kits for different age groups. Learning Resource makes awesome early learning STEM toys. I especially like their STEM toy, Botley the Coding Robot, geared to ages 5 and up. Little Bits are electronic modules that snap together with magnets and are color-coded, turning ideas into little inventions. And if you feel like a road trip, the Lemelson Center, located at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C., has an exhibit that started in September 2018 and is running through August 2019 called Inventive Minds, Women Inventors, that features a selection of stories illustrating the creativity of women inventors over more than a century. The Lemelson Center also has information on the website located at invention.si.edu, which offers fun activities you can do with your child called Sparks Lab. It's up to us to encourage and nurture the future women technologists, and starting at an early age is key. If you have other ideas you'd like to share, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Kimberly and I are um, talking a lot about her life story and her career, and I will say that she was a typical uh, competitive, perfectionist uh, woman that really wanted to conquer the world. And I think as often is the case, we go through life and things happen and take place and we learn lessons and get better. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I want to know if you have future plans to kind of nationalize this clinic and and get bigger, even though you're trying to manage it and and put family first. Yes. You know, um, like I said before the break, five years ago, it was a matter of scaling back and getting back to the core principles with which we started the clinic years ago. Um, And now that we've reestablished that, my son's doing better, um, you know, my children are getting older. I'm definitely taking the leap to look at other options. Um, I'm definitely getting back out. I used to talk a lot at support groups and universities, and I backed off when he had gotten sick because he was my priority. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of nice offers from some of the schools in Philadelphia to come back and try to teach a lymphedema elective at some of the universities okay. um, so that we can educate other therapists and even physicians. Um, and I've been called into some of the local um, hospitals to talk to physicians to educate them more about lymphedema because, unfortunately, they just don't get enough education. That um, is surprising to me. So how is it that you, you know, had this opportunity to go and study in Germany and, and, and that there's doctors here that don't and, and have you know, knowledge it, about it? And to my knowledge, um, we have two lymphedema physicians in, the, in Pennsylvania. And that is sad. I mean, we have some of the best hospitals here in the city of Philadelphia, and we don't have enough doctors to treat people. Did I? So. I if you have cancer, are you destined to have lymphedema? So um, 15% of cancer patients, of all cancer patients, can develop lymphedema, okay. but 30% of breast cancer patients will develop some type of lymphedema. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate that the gentleman who trained me, um, there's all different types of training in the United States. There's weekend courses. I did the entire course um, from Germany, and I was fortunate to get the invitation, and which I initially turned down because I said, I'm getting married, and I'm not going to be able to plan a wedding from Germany. And they called me back and, and said, you know, if you don't go, you're never going to be invited again because this is like <laughs> the elite. And I said, I'm going, and I'll have to plan my wedding from Germany. So, <laughs> okay, okay, so that's okay. what I did. Yeah. And um, just to be in the clinic, you know, at the Foldy Clinic, every um, doctor is also a PhD in lymphology. Oh, wow. The cardiologist, the immunologist. So they do it differently there. So yeah. it's been exciting to try to educate our doctors here mm-hmm. about what we need and other things. And I'm very fortunate that the, the physicians I work with from all over, um, all different states, as far as Massachusetts and Florida, because I have patients who fly in for treatment, um, you know, those doctors have been open to ideas and suggestions that I've made for okay. further testing for, you know, to confirm the diagnosis. Tell me what comes to mind um, when I ask you what you've learned from your patients. Life's best lessons, honestly. You can't, you can't read things in books that I have learned over the last, you know, 20-plus um, years um, because there's something, you know, I, I couldn't work with kids. I tried working with pediatrics when I first got out of school, and that was not for me. Um, I found it too depressing, to be honest with you. Um, and somebody said, well, how can you do that? But you can work with cancer survivors because there's an unconfirmed diagnosis. You don't know if it's going to get it, you know, they're going to get it back. But to me, there's something um, in working with someone who just gets a diagnosis because they teach me that, you know, life is too short Mm -hmm. and every day is a gift. And all of the stuff that we get caught up in and we worry about is really pointless when you think about it. 
And, you know, they, my, the irony is my mom was an oncology nurse when she first started. Wow. And um, she used to say to me, you know, she left oncology because she said it started to, it started to break her heart with some of the things she saw and, and experienced. Mm-hmm. And I have been fortunate to be with people from the beginning of their diagnosis and some to the end. And I, I think it's beautiful to be there and keep somebody comfortable and talk them through it. And on those last few moments and weeks, they tell you some of life's best insights and give you a wake-up call. Right. And a I, reminder. A reminder. reminder. I mean, you know, we, we as women, I think we do so much and we juggle so many things. And it's always we try to put this, this, this is so important that we get our kids here and, and we do this for ourselves. And in reality, the best thing in the, in the world is to sit with your child at the end of the night and read a story. Mm-hmm. And I find myself sometimes at night, I'll be reading to my kids and I think about some of my patients who can't, who haven't, um, or who've gotten better. And every day for them is a gift that they get to do this over and over again. Yeah. So, it, it really is a reminder. You it know, is. You're fortunate to have that um, amongst all of the, you know, the tough things that you're saying. I guess your psychology degree is probably it's coming in handy. Helping. Yeah. It is helping. What it was is your, helping. What was your thought process when you decided to do the double major? Um, you know, I, basically when Drexel didn't have a therapy degree, I had to get all of my healthcare electives taken. And I like psychology. Um, I was one of the leading foul shooting um, uh, Division One athletes when I played. Right. And foul shooting is mental. And we had an excellent, excellent um, sports psychologist who worked with our team in mental imagery and focusing. And that is something you carry through life. Yes. You know. Are, does your daughter play sports? She does. She, what does she, she does. play? Um, she plays basketball oh, and good. field hockey. Okay. Um, and my son runs track. He's And they're both great athletes. They're, they're coming. They're com- work is, work's in progress. Yeah. It doesn't fall far fall far from the trade. No, no, hopefully not. (laughs) Listen, I so appreciate you coming in and taking the time to share your story today. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much, as always, to our sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money.